Hey, thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We are MVF Church based out of Heber City, Utah. If you'd like to check out the live recording of this teaching, you can find that at mvfchurch.com. We're glad that you've joined us today, so let's get into the teaching. Well, we are continuing in Nehemiah today, and we're, we're talking about being courageous. We're doing a three weeks on just being courageous, because whenever you step out for God, whenever you do something um, in God's name, whenever you try to make an impact, make a difference in this life, uh, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have things in this life that you have to be courageous about. And so we talked last week about how you're going to have to deal with fear. There are people that want to put fear into you. There are people that accidentally put fear into you. They have good intentions, but they'll still do put fear into you by things they ask and things they say. But most importantly, the enemy wants to put fear into you whenever you step out for God. And today we're going to talk about dealing with division. That whatever you're, whenever we try to do something, um, things can, there, things can become divisive sometimes. Not necessarily on purpose. Oftentimes people aren't even trying to be divisive, but things can get off course and we can have division, um, even within our homes. Uh, many of you know that we keep talking about maybe your vision for your life right now is just to raise a godly family. And you might find that as as a married couple, sometimes you start to be divided. You know, you're not one in in what you're doing and how you're trying to move forward. Um, uh, you might definitely find that the kids start trying to move and divide off. Um, and you might find that they try to divide you. Anyone? The kids try to divide you, right? Okay, that, that can happen a lot. So you're, you're going to find that things can get divided sometimes if we don't take the time and we don't have the courage to deal with it and have hard conversations. So let's just kind of pick up. Um, t- so if you're kind of new with us or you haven't been with us much, we're talking about Nehemiah and how God gave him a vision for something. And it wasn't like all of a sudden the sky opened up and he got this vision. He just got a burden for something. And I think so many in life, most of us, we get burdens for things. God puts a burden on our hearts for whether it be helping a certain family or a certain person, or maybe it's a bigger picture of helping a certain kind of person, a person in a certain, you know, a group of people in a certain situation. Um, missions, we're going to Honduras. Some people get that mindset. They want to help people in developing countries or people that just don't have as much. Um, maybe it's evangelism. They want to help people come to know the saving relationship of Jesus Christ. And whatever it is, we get a passion. And we talked about how Nehemiah is a great model for us to follow if we once we get that passion. Because Nehemiah took some time. He prayed about that passion that God gave him to really hone in. Okay, God, is this what you want me to put my time into? And then once he did, once he felt like that was the confirmation from God, he, he talked to the people he needed to talk to. And he went to um, the area and he assessed the wall of Jerusalem. Um, remember, because his call, his passion was to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, to make Jerusalem a great city again. And so he goes back and he builds, he assesses the work of what needs to be done. Then he gathers the people because he obviously can't build a wall that big by himself. Right. So he gathers the people. He, he gets the people excited and they get to work. But then once they get to work, they start dealing with this opposition. And so today we're dealing with more of the opposition that he faces. And you know, 
as we get into this, I have found that most people want to make an impact in life, right? Most people want their life to count for something. Most people, I would say that probably everybody wants to know that their life made a difference, that their life made an impact. And that's really what this whole series is about. How do we make our life make an impact? And I think one of the keys is being intentional. We have to be intentional. See, most people have great intentions. I think almost everyone I know has great intentions. But there's a big difference between having great intentions and being intentional. Right? I have wonderful intentions about all sorts of things. But I have to focus my life to actually be intentional about things. So we can't be intentional about everything. We can have great intentions about multiple things. But we have to kind of hone in on a few areas of life that we're going to say, hey, I'm going to be intentional about that. And here's the deal. If you don't take the time to be intentional about at least a couple things, you're going to get to the end of your life and kind of go, what happened? Right? I, I didn't really make anything happen in my life. See, a vision for someone who doesn't take intentional steps is really nothing more than a dream. If you're not willing to take intentional steps, all you have is a dream. But if God gives you a vision for something, you need to learn to take intentional steps. Andy Stanley says this. He says, everyone ends up somewhere in life. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. Those are the ones with vision. I would, I would add to that. Those are the ones with vision who live it out intentionally. If you want to end up somewhere on purpose, you have to be intentional. And here's the problem. No matter how serious we are about following a vision and no matter how intentional we are, it's easy to lose that intentionality, right? Any of us ever started a healthy eating plan, right? I, I, I'm actually in the middle one. Man, for three weeks, I was super intentional. I lost 24 pounds in three weeks. Okay, well, thank you. Let's hope I can lose another 12, though, because I, I've not been intentional. Appreciate that, though. Um, but but I, I, I want to lose at least another 12. That's kind of my, my plan. And, man, the last three weeks, did you know the Super Bowl happened and, it, and my team wasn't in it? So all I cared about was there was good food. Right. And then I had some family in town and my intent. I had great intentions, but I wasn't intentional. I didn't do the things I needed to do to keep on my path. And we do. We get off path sometimes, no matter how intentional we we want to be. And and on top of that, if we've got other people that we're trying to keep intentional with us, Man, it's so easy for people to get off course. And when they do, that's when the division happens. They may, they may still have the best of intentions, but they stop being intentional. And what happens in a group of people when they stop being intentional is they start looking out for themselves. They start thinking about what they want. They start thinking about how it's going to benefit them. And it starts to lead to division. And that's why we have to continually take time to realign ourselves. We have to realign ourselves. So 
Let's let's look at what's going on with Nehemiah here and see what he did to deal with this because he had a group of people that were intentional. They were all gung-ho, but we start to see it starts to kind of fall apart. Now, when you read the book of Nehemiah, if you if you were reading with us in verse chapters one through three, um, it kind of seems like if you don't take the time to really think about it, it kind of gives this impression, at least my first cursory reading of Nehemiah. I I get this idea that, well, you know, Jerusalem, the people in Jerusalem, they're just kind of walking around with their hands in their pockets, not doing anything, just waiting for someone to come save them, right? Like they got no life going on. They're just like, whatever. But that's not the case at all. They were actually an agricultural society that they were doing their farming and living pretty good lives. And for the most part, until raiders would come and and cause destruction and that kind of thing. But they had an agricultural life. And in an agricultural life, if you aren't working, you aren't eating. And so this project meant that they needed to put things on hold. And so many of the people actually had to leave their farms for a period to work on this wall. You add to that that they had been they had come out of a famine, so they had come out of a famine, so they'd already gone through a rough period, and now they've decided, hey, we this is important enough. We are going to build this wall, and they they bring to Nehemiah's attention that the nobles, the the wealthy, are profiting off of the hardships of the people. I know that's the first and last time that's ever happened. Um, but they're because what the nobles are doing is they're loaning money at exorbitant rates and even to the point of holding mortgages, not just on the land, but on family members. And the people oftentimes are, are even having to sell at this point. It sounds like just at this point, they have been selling their daughters into slavery. But at that time, a man could sell his entire family into slavery to pay off his debt if he wanted to. And then eventually, if he still couldn't pay off his debt, he would have to sell himself into slavery. So that's kind of what's going on. Let's read chapter 5, verse 1. Um, whoever's doing slides, I'm going to skip down to chat. The Yeah, thank you. It says this. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, With our sons and our daughters we are many, so let us get grain so that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our field and our vineyards. Now our flesh is the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. So you see, the, the, the common people are crying out to Nehemiah, and they're saying, they're saying, we're in a bad place. We, we can't even afford to eat. Let, not only can we not afford to eat, we're, we're literally having to sell our children off so that we can eat. We're, we're, we've maxed out our mortgages on our land. We're getting to that point where we're, we're having to sell our children. And so their division that they're facing is coming in the form of oppression. 
The people with a lot of the have are taking advantage of the have-nots. The rich are taking advantage of the poor. And they're mortgaging their land and they're even selling their children to pay for the taxes because on, on top of this, they're still responsible to pay taxes to King Artaxerxes. So all the, all the um, provinces would have to pay taxes to the king. So they're paying the taxes to the king. They're trying to get enough money for food and they just can't keep up. So there's a shortage. And on top of this, they're working on the wall day and night now. So their farms aren't producing. And what's happened through this is even though many of the nobles and the leaders were gung-ho about getting the building, I mean, the, the wall built, they still had a little bit of a mindset of like, but how can I t twist this to my advantage, right? You ever known people that do that? Like, hey, I'm, you know, in politics, that's a lot of the case, right? Well, I'm going to agree with what you're doing, that's a good thing, but it's mainly, the, my main purpose is so that I can get what I want out of the deal later on, right? And so chances are that's what's going on is the nobles have said, hey, yeah, let's build the wall, but in their minds, they're also seeing this as a way for them to make a profit. See, the people had forgotten the purpose. And so if you want to jump back, I'm sorry, the first point is the people had forgotten their purpose. They forgot that it wasn't for their benefit, that they all were supposed to be working together for the benefit of the Lord. It wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't what's best for them. It's how do we all work together to benefit God's people. And instead, what's happening is God's people are, are benefiting off of the other and oppressing the poor. We've got to keep focused on our purpose. And as leaders, whenever you are leading something, it's your job to keep the others focused on a purpose. I think this is, once again, going back to the family thing. This is so important as parents. I think as parents, especially in our culture where kids, you can't keep information from kids. You know that, right? No matter how much you think you are, you can't. They know, they, they have, they know how to get it. Anything you've put on their phone, they know how to get around it if they want to. They have a friend who also can get to it. And so, so they have the power of the information. As parents, I believe it's our job more than ever in our culture today to talk to our kids about the why of how we live our family life out. See, I grew up in a time where my parents didn't tell me why nothing. Because I said so, that's why, move it, right? It was okay, because I, there were, you know, I didn't, there wasn't much to think about as a kid. Now, kids have so much coming at them. And oftentimes as they're growing up, as parents, we don't, Parents are like, oh, I don't want to, I, we, we don't share a lot of the why. And I think a lot of it is because we're not even 100% clear on the why sometimes. And I think if to, to raise kids now in, a, in, in this society, we've got to be a better at sharing why and talking about how, why we're seeking to glorify God and what, why we choose to make choices and how that affects the long term of life. And, and have the hard talks with kids if we expect them to stay on course with the purpose. On top of that, even within our own marriages, right? We have to sit down and sometimes talk about the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. 
and, and, and take that time, remind ourselves, <clears throat> and even in our personal lives, I have to remind myself of the purpose a lot because it's so easy to get caught up in other things. So take time to remind yourself of the purpose. And once again, I'm going to mess you up in the slides. We're going to jump to verse 6 now. Don't show the point yet. She's hating me today. I meant to turn this in and I forgot to. All right. All right, let's jump to verse 6 and let's look at let's look at his response. Okay? Let's look at what Nehemiah does. Verse 6. I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are exacting interest from each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them. Let's jump down to verse 9. He says, so I said, the thing that you were doing is not good. Are you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations of our enemies? See, once again, he's calling them out. It's right there. <laughs> he's calling them out um, he, uh, because he, he, he's like, you're off course. So now rather than say, hey, you need to fix this, what's he doing? He's giving them the why. Hey, remember here, we represent God. We represent God. When, when you're fighting brother against brother, that's not representing God. Is this, is this what you're seeking to do? Don't you want to honor God? Right? So he's, giving, he's taking time to give them the why about what they're doing. Right? He jumps, jumped down to the second half of verse 10. He says, let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, vineyards, olive orchards, their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, oil that you've been exacting from them, right? So he didn't just come in and demand it. He actually explains that why this is important. What is it we're, we're trying to do here? What is it we're trying to focus on? And they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And then I love this. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. Right? He's not just trusting that they say, say it. Right? I'm sure there were some in the room like, Nehemiah, no problem, man. It's all done. They just, they're going to walk away. But swearing in front of the priest was like signing a contract for us. Right? You, if you, we swore in, the, in front of the priest to them. That was a contract. Now it's binding. So he's basically saying, look, you said it. Now you're going to stand by it. And, and he calls them to it. And then at the end, it says, And all the assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. So Nehemiah took the time to align. And that's what we got to do. We got to take time to align. And this is so important. Notice that he took time in the midst of everything to have an assembly, to hold an assembly, to gather all the people. Because it was important to say, hey, look, we've got to get on the same page. All, all of us dr drive a car or did have driven cars at one point, except for a few of you that are, shouldn't be driving cars yet. But, but for the, we all know we've all probably driven a car out of alignment, right? You, ever, you know that where you just got, you know, you just put a little pressure on the wheel one, on one direction to keep it straight at all, right? Because it starts to go out of alignment. Why does a car go out of alignment? 
Well, because of all, there's a lot of little pieces on there that keep everything in alignment. And just the miles of the unevenness of the road and all those kinds of things, that gets it off alignment, just that time of driving it. But also the bumps and any, any kind of extra things that, that happen on the road, that gets it out of alignment. It, it's just going to get out of alignment over time. You cannot drive a car and constantly keep it in alignment. It's impossible. Well, the same thing goes with life, right? We have distractions, agendas, emergencies. Life gets in the way. And what happens is people start pulling slightly in a different direction, and we start getting competing agendas. I see this in marriages all the time. I see it all the time. I, oftentimes, I sit with married couples that I look and go, man, both awesome people. Both awesome desire to serve the Lord, to honor God in their marriage. Only problem here is we have different agendas. We have different ways that we're seeing this work out because we're not taking time to have the conversations to align our marriages, right? Um, we, we have to take time to sit down and, and do that. We have to have tough to tough conversations if we're going to stay on track. I tell all my kids, don't just settle for not being divorced. Don't just settle that, hey, I, we made it through life, oh, and we didn't get divorced. Have a desire to have a great marriage. But to do that, you got to work at your marriage. You can't just like, oh, well, well I'm not going to talk about that because it's tough. And we're not going to deal with that. And we're, um, it's just, it'll go away. No, it won't. Nothing goes away unless they go away. Then it might go away. But, but it's not, things don't go away. We have to work on it. We have to have hard conversations. Tanya and I, we, we have, in our 30 years of marriage, we have put, 33 years of marriage, don't tell her I said 30. Um, we have put aligning times in our, in our marriage. We sit down every Monday for a minimum of 30 minutes, usually 30 minutes to an hour, hour, and we have a meeting to align our marriage. We talk, are we on the same page with our finances? Are we on the same page with our calendars? And are we on the same page with just what's going on in our life? Right? And if it's a what's going on in our life, it usually ends up being a little longer than that. Or we have to schedule another time to sit down and talk. Then we go on dates. And about once every other month, that date is purely focused to have an alignment conversation. And make sure that we're really going into the, the deeper things of our life and how we're seeing things and what God's telling us and me or what God's telling her and, and how we're dealing with it and what we're reading and, and, and the things we're frustrated with and we're scared about and we're nervous about and we're celebrating. We take time to do it. And then once a year, we go away for about two nights. And we focus on aligning the marriage. And I can honestly stand here and tell you and I don't think a lot of marriages can. And I know some of you in this room can. I truly love my wife after 33 years. And I think it's because we took serious that we weren't just going to let our marriage happen. Because it doesn't happen very easily. Or, and then when we just let it happen, it very rarely happens well. So, so I truly believe, man, if any of us have a vision and you feel like your marriage is not, not really strong right now, that should be our vision. As, as Christ followers, if you're married, that should be our vision. Because I believe the way we, what did he say to the, the, uh, the Israelites? 
that he said, because of our fear, fear of God and how they're representing the culture, we represent to this culture through our marriages. This, may, this culture watches us and we, they hear us talk about our convictions and, and, and Christ and how, how he'll glorify everything and blah, blah, blah. And then we can't, we can't focus our marriages. So the culture goes, what's the difference? Now, all that to say, I'm not trying to be hard on anyone. What I'm trying to say is, if, if you're struggling right now, that's what, that's what church is for. Church is not for us to come here and pretend everything's always just dandy. Church is a, for us to try to build relationships with people where we can go, hey, man, my marriage is struggling. And I, I need some help because that stuff Shane was talking about, I've never done it. And I don't know the slightest idea how to do that. Okay, well, let's, let's sit down and talk about it. So I'm just going to tell you right now, if, you're, if you know that, hey, we're in, I'm in a struggling marriage right now, man, I want to encourage you. Go to that prayer request section on the app and turn it in so we can pray for your marriage. And, and if we can follow up with you and start, start talking to you about that. But it's not just marriages, right? It's anything and everything we do. We, if we're really serious about making an impact with it, you have to take time to align. And it's too easy for people to get off course, right? We get a different picture of what we want. I remember our first Christmas being married. We, we fought. Our first Christmas was horrible. We fought the whole time. Because my family did Christmas like homemade-ish stuff and like those cheap boxes of tinsel that you just throw on the tree, right? That was my family Christmas. I, it was awesome as a kid. I loved that, right? You, you moms that make your trees all perfect, you just give your kids a big old thing of tinsel. They'll have so much fun. Um, anyway, I loved it. But she came from, her mom literally has paid someone to decorate her tree. Like it was boom, beautiful, right? Like, and, and she, and they like, spent all this money on all this and everything was like always perfect right and she forgot she'd married a a guy who was going to be a youth pastor so um it (laughs) it didn't work out so well but but we so we fought all the time about all this like stuff and how we do this and how we're gonna do we both thought because we both said you know what we said to each other i love christmas we both said that so we both thought oh well that means we like the same thing we want the same thing but we didn't right and that's what happens in any relationship oftentimes we have a different picture and taking the time to align ourselves and get the right picture is so important reminding ourselves of our purpose and it's important to have tools like Tanya and I have those tools of the Monday night meeting or the Monday meeting and then the the day every once in a while and then the the weekend we it's a tool we've just created it wasn't like because we're just like oh you know, we like had to figure that out over time that we had to do that. Well, you know, within an organization, hopefully you have tools. Within the church, we try to have tools to keep us in alignment. Um, I want to real quick, um, that whole reminding of a purpose and keeping in line, I want to draw your attention to the church app real quick. Um, and as I do, I, I know some of you have been on our church app and you hate it. And I get it because it was very confusing. So we made the mistake of putting it out there with it being very confusing, okay? But it, we really have worked hard on it, and we've, we've made some changes on it. So I am going to ask you, no joke, I'm going to ask you to pull your phones up. 
okay? Pull your phones out, and I'm going to ask you to open the app. I'm going to literally walk you through some things. First of all, in the alignment and purpose thing, couple of, quite a few of you, we had 21, I think, people sign up to volunteer for our team that we're going to need once we open the building at 45. We're, right now, if you were one of those 21 people, you'll be getting an email in the next week here. You should have gotten one already just telling us, give us a minute. And now you should be getting one setting a date for when we're going to have an onboarding process. Okay. You should be getting that email. If you did not sign up to volunteer and you want to, I'm going to encourage you right now. We're not going to walk through this part, but you can just be a minute behind. Click the volunteer button on there. You'll notice already. I think hopefully you'll look and see that look. It just, it's looks clearer already. Okay. But you'll, so I'm going to encourage you to click the volunteer button if you did not sign up to volunteer, but are interested in it. But you will notice, now why am I pulling this out? Because this app is an alignment tool, right? See, we want everyone to have all the same information, right? And everybody works differently. We have people that go like, oh, you know how hard it is to keep like 400 adults on the same alignment? It's like, you guys are like herding cats, right? People are like, well, man, I just, I don't know about, I need all the information. Oh, well, we have it. Well, did you email it to me? Well, no, we, we, we did it on text. Well, I don't use text. And then we text them and we, we go, uh, did, are we, um, you know, we'll email stuff. And then we got people, oh man, I don't sit down at a desk. I don't use email. How am I supposed to keep track of everything? And then, then people, there are people who want us to just stand up here and for 25 minutes announce every single thing that's going on in the church. And, and if you're me, like, I'm like 30 seconds after announcements, I'm like, I, I don't even hear you anymore, right? I'm done. So, so this is a tool we can draw everyone in and keep us in alignment. Now, like I said, I apologize because it was not clear before. It was confusing, but it's clear now. I really do believe we have it really clear now, but you'll notice you can go through here. First of all, if you're new here, that's how you just click on that. And this will give you everything you need to know. If you're new here, how to contact us, gives us all the information about us, how to find us on all the different places. If you want to keep up with the sermons, you click on that, you'll get the sermons. Um, you want to connect about with stuff, here's all the different ways you can connect. You can click on women, and it'll tell you about our women's ministry. It'll give you their events. If you want to volunteer, it has this beautiful little picture of Megan down there, who's our women's ministry leader. If you click on youth... It tells you about our youth and events and volunteer. And then it has about as good a picture as you're ever going to get a spud on there. Uh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Spud looks awesome today, though, by the way. All right. It's you, or, you versus Megan, though. Come on. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. So there's all these different ways. And we're trying to use this as a tool to keep us all in alignment. Does that make sense? Like in a marriage, you can meet. So I don't think you all want to come to a meeting twice a week just to keep us aligned. That's going to be hard, right? So this is a great tool to keep us in alignment. So here's, here's one thing that is a, another tool churches have to keep everyone in alignment, which we're really going to launch hard. We used to have pretty decent before covid after COVID, it became really hard to keep moving, but we're going to launch them hard right now. Okay, if you click on the bottom corner, you click groups. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you're not in some sort of community group, because I'll tell you, community groups are one of the best ways to stay on track with your life, staying aligned with what Christ wants for you and, and following Jesus. Community groups are best, one of the best ways to do that, because sermons can go so far. 
but talking to people and helping pe- having people really help you dig in and, and deal with hard questions and that kind of stuff, that's the best way. So I'm going to encourage you to just click this. It says join a group. Now you'll notice when you click on that, there's not a group that you can really join. Now we ha- do have a couple, okay? We have a couple. But the, I, for this purpose, for a few weeks, I wanted to just focus on just just let us know that you're interested in joining a group. Okay, but I'm going to tell you right now, if 20 people said that they're interested, we wouldn't have a place to put them. We maybe have two groups that have room for one or two people right now. Now, so the next thing on there is lead a group. Some of you in here right now, you could help us with this. You could help us keep the church aligned by leading a group, right? And we, we desperately need it um, to keep people in community. And so you can see right there, there's a place you fill out. You answer a few questions to show us that you, you know, are spiritually, you know, just, you know, have a relationship with Jesus. That's like, we're not asking for you to have a theological degree or anything. It's just walking people through some easy stuff. So, so I'm going to encourage you to do that, but I also want to encourage you to take Seriously, if you're if you're feeling like you don't know what's going on in the church, or you don't know how to get plugged in the church, take a couple minutes a week. You can do it. You can do it literally while you're here at church if that's the only time you do it. Okay? Pick a part of the sermon where you're checking out anyway and just and just do that and and pull that out and then I'll say something that'll draw you back in and you can be done. But but just just take it and take a couple minutes every week and find out what's going on for you to be able to connect to, not for the church, but so that you can feel more a part of what's going on and we can more be involved in assisting you in a spiritual journey. Okay, so please take a minute and do that. We would love you to do that. All right. And. And like I said, it's just a tool and whatever group, organization, family, whatever it is you want to make an impact with. You have to develop some tools and take some time to put yourself in alignment. I have to do this in my own personal life. Right. I have to I have to schedule times for me to to just take time to focus my life, to read and, and study and pray. I, have to, I take a spiritual retreat every quarter for at least one night. And I, I, I don't take anything but a Bible and, and a journal. And, and I, just, I, I just try to study and, and, and pray. Right? And sometimes I've kind of tried to work it into two nights and I'll take my stuff and I'll plan out sermons for one day and, and study and pray the next day because I need to stay aligned. Whatever it is, make sure you take that time because this world will pull you off focus. Aren't you glad Jesus stayed aligned to his, to his purpose? No matter how much people tried to pull Jesus off and tried to use him for their agendas and that kind of thing, Jesus stayed aligned with why he came here. And you and I have salvation because of his purpose. Let's let's go back let's go back to the text and get to our last point real quick. We have to be willing to make sacrifices. We have to be willing to sacrifice. I'm not going to read the whole thing but you real quick just a, a cursory skimming of verse 14 and following. Nehemiah takes time after he's aligned them to point out to them that he has made some sacrifices to make this happen. 
he says that in the whole time he'd been there, he had never taken the food allowance from the governor. He says this in verse 14. Um, and he talks about how other former governors had laid heavy burdens on the people, um, extracting extra taxes and, and then taking the, the food allowance. He, officials got big food allowances that the providences had to provide. And, and he didn't take that because he didn't want to put the burden on the people. And he says at the end of verse 15, even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. See, Nehemiah knew he had to make sacrifices because he need, he put God first in his life. And he talks about how he preserved in the work on the wall and he acquired no land. He didn't come in and say, Hey, as governor of this, I'm going to, I'm going to acquire extra lands. I'm going to have all of you give me a piece of your land that I acquire. Moreover, he, he fed 150 people at his table at his own expenses every, every week. And then at the end of this, he says, remember for my good, O God, all that I've done for this people. See, Nehemiah did not accomplish this so he could take advantage of people. He didn't accomplish this so he could get rich. Now, he still had a good life. He, he, he was a, a servant of the king, so he, he still was in a good position. But he didn't add ever an extra burden on the people. In fact, he made sure to make sacrifices on himself. He left the comfort of the palace and he used his wealth to redeem the Jews so that they, you know, he used his wealth to redeem Jews that had been sold into slavery, in fact. He didn't tax the people. He didn't lord his power over the people. And that's something, the final thing we have to remember. If we're going to live out a vision for God, we have to remember that it's always going to come with a price. You know, when we moved to Heber, we, we left the comfort of friends, a salary, um, family. Um, we, there are much more ministry options. In, in California, there were 10 mi- and within 10 miles of me, there were more churches of over 1,000 people than are in the whole state of Utah. Um, and so, you know, like, oh, if this doesn't work out, I don't have to move my whole family again. To, I, could, I could find another place to serve in ministry. We, we left all that. Now, we still came to an amazing place. I, my family, every time they visit here, they're always like, ooh, you were called here. Yeah, <laughs> because they're like, this place is awesome, right? And it is. But I just, I'll close with sharing one story with you. It's a story of Karen Bennett. Karen was a 23-year-old single woman in Atlanta living a very middle-class, nice lifestyle, saving for an expensive purse and drinking lots of lattes. But she started going with a few friends once a week, a couple hours, to gather inner-city kids to play games with them, give them snacks, Bible lessons, and just share the love of Christ with them. After six months, they had gathered so many kids that they felt like they needed to do something more permanent. And so they found a place they could rent for $2,000 a month, and they began raising the money to do so. They had, when they moved in, there was no heat, no air, but lots of rats. But by the time Karen was 30 years old, she had a staff of 16 people 
and over 100 volunteers. They were running food and clothing programs, helping teens find jobs. They were holding worship services in the facility six times a week. They had started a private school that only had a tuition of $20 a month for underprivileged families so that their kids could go to schools without the worry of gangs. And so much more they were able to do. In that time, those seven years, she was, the place was broken into 70 times and she had been mugged at least once. But she says this. She says, if you decide that what God is asking you to do with your life is just too much and is just a little too inconvenient, then you will never see the miracles he has for you. I love that. If you decide, oh, God, I would do that, but oh, that's going to be tough. That's going to be hard. Then chances are you will never experience the miracles that God has for you. If you do make the choice to live in a comfortable lifestyle versus doing the difficult things that God calls us to, you're never going to fully receive what God has for you. Do you know how many people I've heard say, oh, if I had a million dollars, and then they tell me what they would do? You know what my answer to that is? I don't think you would. Because if you're not willing to start something now, you're not going to do it when you have a million dollars. Because you could start a little bit now. Right? So why not start the little bit now? Don't wait for a million dollars. Start now. Chances are, if you're not doing something now, you're not going to do it later. What it, what's it going to take to have, help you transition your life to be more intentional to do what God calls you to do. And here's the other thing that I have found. The more sacrifices you're willing to make, the more you will stay in alignment. Right? You know what? Had I had started a church in Southern California, I don't think I would have made it. Why? Because I had too many comforts I just fall back on. Right? It's like, ah, never mind. I'm just going to get a job at this church. I can still do that and not have to move. I can still do that and not have to. Do it to people. I, it, it, there were times in this church, man, it was, it was down to the wire and it was tough and we didn't know where the next dollar, how, how it was going to happen and, and people on the team were leaving. It, it, there were some tough times and it would have been easy without sacrifices to just quit. But when we're willing to sacrifice, we allow the distractions, we don't allow the distractions and the detractions to take us away. See, Jesus continually aligned his life. He took time to step away and pray. He took time to remind the disciples while he was there. He didn't get pulled into political agendas or religious agendas. Why? Because his purpose was so important. His purpose that he, we could know that God loves us and will give everything for us. That's the gospel. And he's calling each and every one of us to make some small impact in that plan that he has. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you love us so much that you invite us into the plan with you. And you want us to be a part with you. God, help us to take seriously the burdens you put on our heart. God, help us to just live intentionally to do as you call us to do. That we don't have to do it all. We don't have to be a part of everything. But God, the burden you put on our heart, God, let us make the sacrifices to make it a reality, God. 
We thank you for the sacrifice you made so that we could have the reality of walking with you. It's in Jesus' name. If you enjoyed this teaching, we would love to have you join us for a live gathering. We are located at 271 North, 600 West in Heber City, Utah. If you need more information about us, including our gathering times or previous teachings, you can find all that at mvfchurch.com. And make sure you follow us on social media too. See you next time.